Everybody's ready? Nobody's ready? Anybody alive? Do I need to take your pulse? <laughs> what are we doing? <coughs> Pictures, right? Shadows? Yeah, we're not doing it. What's prophecy? What is prophecy? Saying something will happen later on. It's one thing it is. Anything know anybody know what else it is? Prophecy Predicting the future, not really predicting, but saying what's going to happen in the future. If you predict it, you're guessing. These guys weren't guessing. They were saying it. And it is also preaching. Preaching is prophesying. And most of the guys that prophesied did more preaching than prophesying. Most of them. That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, let's say a prayer. We'll start. Thank you, Lord, for this day and Mr. Wilson can teach us. And I pray you a blessing as he does and open our minds and help us to understand what he's Okay, today is a test. How well you've been listening. Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to ask a series of questions. <coughs> I expect that you will know the answers. Because you're all Bible students, right? Are we all Bible students? Are we? How do you know you're a Bible student? What? Because you're in a class and you're opening a Bible, we're going to study it. It makes you Bible students. <laughs> it's really not that hard, is it? You're all Bible students, right? Are you Bible scholars? What's the difference? A student is learning. A scholar already knows, right? So I expect you today to be Bible scholars. You can be students if there's something you don't know. I'm expecting you to be Bible scholars. So, this is not a long chapter, Isaiah 53. It's probably one of the most famous ones that Isaiah wrote. One verse at a time, here we go. Verse number one. Okay. So this preacher, Isaiah, Starts out, he says, who believes us? Why would he say that? If you're going to be a preacher, going to preach, if I got up and said, well, nobody's going to believe me, 
Would you listen? If I said nobody's going to believe me, what would you think? Why? <laughs> Alright, but why would people not believe what I said? No. Why? Why would people not believe it? All right, we'll come back to that. Remember, we're going back to number one to see who can figure this out. I want to know why he said, you're not going to believe what I tell you. If you think a little hard, you'd come up with an answer, though. Let's do this. I'm going to open that window and shove somebody out. I'm going to see him, I'm going to shove him out of the window. You believe me? You don't believe me? Why? Why would I shove someone? Why would I throw him out the window? It's dangerous. Have you ever seen me throw anybody out a window before? Anybody? No, you never saw me do that before. So it's a little bit different, it's a little bit unusual. If I threw him out the window, you'd all go, ah, I can't believe he was going to do that. So how would you decide if what I said was believable? Yeah, from what happens normally, what you're used to believing, Mr. Olson doesn't throw people out the window every day. In fact, I don't think he's ever thrown anybody out. I have thrown people in garbage cans before. I never threw anybody out the window. So, it's hard to believe. I gave you that, see? I would expect you to have a better answer than that when we get to the end. Verse 2. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant. He has a root on dry ground. He hath no form nor come again. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now, who's he? Okay, this is a prophecy. It's about Jesus. All right, so we're, we know that the topic is Jesus. And he says he's going to grow up like a tender plant. What does that mean? Now think in your mind, tell me where Jesus grew up. Scholars. Where did he grow up? Okay. Where was he born? Bethlehem. Did he stay there? Did he stay there? No. Why? Why did he leave Bethlehem? Yeah, yeah. Herod, well, yeah, Herod wanted to kill him. 
Herod killed all the other babies in Bethlehem. How did he get out? How did he get away? Joseph was told, take that baby and get out of here. Because Herod's going to kill him. So where did he go? Went to Egypt. Stayed there for a little bit. When he heard Herod died, he came back. Then where did he go? Nazareth. Where did Jesus grow up? Nazareth. Everybody say, Nazareth. Say, Grew up in Nazareth. So it says he's going to grow up like a tender plant. What does that mean? How many of you grow things in the garden? Raise your hand. How many of you grow things in the garden? Okay. When a plant first pokes its head up, what do you do with it? What do you do with it when it first picks its head right through the ground? What do you do with it? You don't do anything with it. Let it grow. Because it's a little tender. Alright? Well, Jesus grew up, said, like a tender plant. We know he grew up in Nazareth. And there he was left alone. Right? Nobody bothered him. Just like a tender plant. He grew up and they left alone. How long was he there? When did he leave? When he was 30. So... He might have been one year old or something when he moved to Nazareth. 29 years, he grew up in Nazareth. What do we know about that? What do we know about him growing up in Nazareth? Do you, anybody know anything? Okay. Anything else? We don't know nothing about it. Why? Why don't we know anything about it? Because how do we find out things about Jesus? In the Bible. Does it say in the Bible what he did in Nazareth? It doesn't say one word about it. Only mentions it. So, what do we say? Well, whatever happened in Nazareth, he was left alone. So he grew up quietly, nobody around, nobody saying, hey, look, that's Jesus. Just one of the kids of Nazareth. Now it also said that he has no form or comeliness that we should desire him. What does that mean? Right. What does form mean? You all have form. Your nose, your eyes are a certain distance apart, your hair is a color, your face is a shape. That's your form. It's what you look like. Okay? Form is what you look like. What's comeliness? 
What's that? Somebody who looks comely? What do you know about them? Yeah. They look good. They're handsome, beautiful. Jesus? No. So Jesus is very plain. He's not like the pictures you see. See pictures of Jesus? He looks like this muscle man with a big strong jaw. He looked very plain and ordinary so that he did not stand out in a crowd. Okay. So he grew up. Don't know nothing about it. Just quietly. He was very plain. Well, here's this very plain, very quiet person. He grows up. Verse 3. Okay, it says we hid our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. So it says he was despised, which means hated, okay? He was hated and rejected. So how could they despise and hate him if he grew up quiet? He's a plain, ordinary looking person. He grows up quietly for 30 years. How does he get to be hated and rejected? What happened? He says he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He's also very sad. He describes Jesus as being very sad. So who despised him? Who hated him? You all should have your hand up right this second saying, I know the answer, I know the answer, I know the answer. Because I just told you. What was the sermon this morning? I mean, you got to remember like 15 minutes ago, what was the sermon this morning? What were they saying? Crucify him. That's not because you love him, that you hate him. I said they hated him, and their hatred boiled over. Who's they? The Jews, who consisted of a whole group, Pharisees, scribes, and priests. Priests. These are the Jewish ruling class. They hated him. And they rejected him. Alright, they hated him. It says we hid our faces from him. What would that mean? I said, I don't want to look at Gideon. I'm not going to look at Gideon. So what would it mean when he says they hid their faces from him? Yeah, they don't want to look at him. They don't want to listen to him. They don't want to look at him. Why? Because he makes him look bad. What does it mean he was not esteemed? What's the word esteem mean? Who knows what esteem means? What's esteemed? What does it mean to esteem somebody? 
think of them as greater than yourself or higher up? Yeah, to have a high opinion of somebody is to esteem them. All right, and so do they have a high opinion of them? No, they hate him. They hate him. Why would they refuse to look at him? Think back three weeks. What did he do? Just outside of Jerusalem. What did Jesus do just outside Jerusalem? Sermon three weeks ago in a little town where he was late. What did he do when he arrived? Raised Lazarus from the dead. All right. So, raised Lazarus from the dead. Eyewitnesses all over the place. They're running all over saying, we just raised a guy from the dead. He's been dead for four days. Everybody knows you should say what? That's impressive. He must be a very powerful person. Instead, they go, what? I'm not going to look. I'm not going to listen. I don't want to hear about it. All right. So they rejected him, despised him. Verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, sitting of God. All right. So, on the cross, why did he die? Tell me why he died. On the cross. Alright, he's going to pay for sin. Our sins. And pay for it. And so there's a load. We have a load. Sin is a heavy burden. And he says, I'll carry your burden on the cross. <coughs> Puts our burden on it. <coughs> so they're looking at him on the cross. And I'm going to help you with this because this is next week's sermon. You didn't hear it yet. After that, I'll hold you responsible. They looked at him on the cross and they said, if you're the son of God, Get off of there. Why are you staying on that cross if you're the Son of God? If you're really the Son of God, just come down. Could he have done that? Yeah. Matter of fact, when Jesus talked about it, he said, if I wanted to, I could call ten legion of angels. A legion is an army. A Roman legion was a Roman army. He said, I got ten armies. And if I asked right now, they'd come down here and they'd kill every human being alive. All I got to do is stay. Yeah, come on. And you're all dead. He said, well, I'm not going to do that. So when he's hanging on the cross, they say, if you're the son of God, come down. But he won't come down because he wants to die for our sins, right? He won't come down. So they think, well, if he doesn't come down, he's not the son of God. You couldn't do that to the son of God. And so he says, 
we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. So if you can't come down off the cross, you're getting what you deserve. If you were really a son of God, we wouldn't be able to crucify you, but when we got you crucified, we know you're a fraud. You can't come down. And so God's punishing you for lying. That's what they said. All right, next verse. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes were healed. Okay, what's iniquities and transgressions? What are they? Sins. All right. Uh, define sin. What's sin? How do you define sin? Okay, disobey God, and it probably goes a little further than that. What makes you want to disobey God? Rebellion. That's really the root of sin. We rebel. Uh, God's not telling me what to do. Yeah, but he's God. I don't care. I do what I want to do. That's rebellion against God. That's sin. Next one, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid him on the iniquity of us all. Okay. Tell me what sheep are. What? What are they? We're us. We're being compared to sheep. They're what? They're dumb. What else? They're just the dumbest creatures I ever saw. I saw him when he was this big taking a sheep. And his father had a sheep and they were going to take it up the hill into the barn. And that father, his sheep that his father had flopped on its side. He's dragging it up sideways up the hill into the barn. Said, Dumb sheep, get up. A lot easier than being dragged by the neck. He took the sheep and walked right up. Because they're dumb. They do the things that they ought to know better. Right? You ought to know. You don't let somebody drag you by the neck. What's the matter with you? Get up and walk. You'll feel much better. And if you got somebody... But sheep are like that. We all, we like sheep, have turned astray. We want to do what we want to do. And that means we wander away from God. So that's the definition of us. Sinners. Rebellion against God. We do the stupidest thing. Verse 7. Okay, it says the sheep are dumb there, right? Well, that means a little bit different. What does the dumb mean there? Doesn't talk. So Jesus has said, didn't talk 
Tell me three places he didn't talk. Trial with who? Sanhedrin, right? He wouldn't comment there. Next place he didn't talk? Just heard it today. Well, before that, just today I told you. He went there and he refused to speak. Where was it? Herod. Herod. He was taken to Herod to be tried. He refused to speak to Herod. He never said a word to Herod. And then, last one is Pilate, right? Pilate says, marveled. He's surprised. <coughs> Every other prisoner screamed and yelled, I'm innocent. Release me. I didn't do anything. Not Jesus. He just stood there. Said until finally Pilate says, You don't say nothing. Listen to them. They're screaming that you're a rabble rouser, that you're uh, not allowing people to pay taxes, that you're some kind of king. They're screaming all this stuff about you, and you don't say nothing. That's what he says here was going to happen. This is 500 years before it happened. Isaiah said, he won't even speak. He won't even open his mouth. Verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off with the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. It says he was taken from prison and from judgment. <coughs> now, the Bible never says that he was in prison doesn't specifically say that he was in prison. Uh, but he was held. And so Pilate tries him, says, okay, we'll crucify him. And they got to get together a group of men who are going to crucify him. So everybody believes, and I do too, that he was in some prison cell for a while. Well, they got their act together to go crucify him. Right, so, take him back out. And he was taken from judgment. Pilate, what did he do before he gave judgment? He had him whipped. But what did Pilate himself do? Before he washed his hands. Talk to his wife, messenger. What did he do before that? Where's he going to give judgment? The judgment seat. There's a seat of judgment. <clears throat> Pilate sits on the seat and gives judgment, passes judgment, says we can crucify him. So he's taken from the judgment. And from prison, they lead him out and they crucify him. And was how do you know that actually means crucified? What does it say? Kind of a different way to say it. He was cut off 
from the land of the living. Or he died. If you're not in the land of the living, you're dead. Alright, so he died. Verse 9. Right, it says two things. He says he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich. So, how do you put the two of them together? He's hanging on a cross. Who hangs on a cross? Criminals hang on a cross. This is the thing that Rome did to discourage criminal activity. A public place on a busy road just outside of town and they put up crosses and they nail people to the cross and as you're going by there's a sign over your head and the sign says this guy was a thief, this guy was a murderer, this guy was a robber and this is what we do to thieves and murderers and robbers. We kill them on a cross. It's an awful way to die. So that you will think, I better not do that. Right? It's called a deterrent to crime. So he died like a criminal. That's how criminals die. Right? Jews didn't die that way. You were Jewish and they were going to Get ready. How'd they get rid of you then? Anybody know? Wasn't a great way to go either. But they stoned you. Take stones and throw stones at you until you kills you. Alright? Anybody know anybody in the Bible got stoned? Scholars? Who got stoned to death? Stephen. Stephen got stoned to death. They almost stoned Jesus. And then he disappeared and they couldn't find him. So he makes his death, he says, with criminals and also with the rich. How did he do that? There are rich people's graves around his. Anybody know who the grave belonged to? Where he was buried. Joseph of... Yeah, Joseph of Arimathea is a member of this council. He sits on the Sanhedrin. Some people think he was very wealthy. He was. And Nicodemus also helped bury Jesus in a rich man's tomb. Nicodemus had a lot of money. He was the third wealthiest man in Israel. Who were they? Members of the Sanhedrin who believed that Jesus was real. So when he died, he said, we'll take care of him. Matter of fact, it's a very striking thing. Joseph of Arimathea walks into Pilate and says, I want that body. That was a very dangerous thing to do. A very bold thing. Dangerous, why? Because these Jews all hate Jesus. They're glad to see him dead. They hope they throw him over a cliff and burn his body. But that couldn't happen. Why couldn't it happen? 
yeah, he's gonna come alive again. So he has to be, body's gotta be cared for. These guys step up and care for it. So he was buried with the rich. Verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And verse 11, read that. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, shall by righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Here's one of the big mysteries in the Bible. Really hard to explain, and I'm not sure that I can explain it, but I'll do the best I can. <clears throat> it said, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Who's the Lord there? God the Father. So God the Father looked down, and they're beating him in the face. They're punching him slapping him and then they take a whip they almost kill him with a whip they tied leather straps with pieces of bone tied to the end cat of nine tails they called it be tied to a stick leather strap pieces of bones that's what they whip you of course the bones are to cut you and they whip people before they crucified them so they would almost die ahead of time. If you take a perfectly healthy person, put him on a cross, he could live there for a couple weeks. Right. So they whipped him almost to death. And then they crucified him so they'd get it over with. So Jesus got whipped. Horrible, horrible thing. And uh, God's looking down. And they nail him to a cross. That's the most horrible thing that there is. I can't... You ever step on a nail? Who stepped on a nail? Oh, we got a few of you stepped on a nail. Is that a good time? That hurts, right? What if they took a spike that big and drove it right through your foot? I can't imagine I can't imagine how that hurts. Your hands are a little different because your hands take a lot of abuse. Your hands get smacked and scratched and they're a little different, not so many nerves. Your feet are full of nerves that run all the way up your leg, up to your brain. You get nailed on a foot. Whew. Now you stepped on a nail, they're probably little sharp nails. Go right up in there, huh? Yeah, they hurt. All right. Not like you're driving a spike through the top now. So, they're punching him in the face. They're whipping him in an inch of his life, and they're nailing him to a cross. And it says, the father was pleased with that. Can you just explain that? You hurt one of my kids, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, I am not going to put up with somebody hurting my kids. 
Jesus is on a cross being horribly tortured. That's what it was meant to do, was torture you to death. And they said the Father was pleased. Can you say why he was pleased? He had to pay for every sin that was ever committed. So, somebody violently murders a child. What should we do with that person? Punish him. Punish him. Take him and kill him. Put him in an electric chair. Turn it on and fry him. So we should do with people who are violent and hurt children or hurt anybody for that matter. Alright? So there is a price to be paid. On the cross, Jesus had to pay for every sin that was ever committed. And so he had to suffer like nobody ever suffered before. Pay for every sin that was ever committed. And so he did. He suffered like nobody ever suffered before or since. Because it was up here in his mind that he's suffering for every sin. So when he suffering so horribly and the father is pleased why is the father pleased because he's paying for every sin yours and yours and yours and yours and yours and mine all the things we did are all paid for because he suffered so much it is the extent of his suffering so that he could suffer to pay for every sin it says, my, shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And Jesus himself will see the pain of his soul, and he'll be satisfied. Satisfied what? That he can forgive and forgive and forgive again. Now, the last verse, verse 12. So he carried all that sin, gave his own life to do it. So I'm going to divide him a portion with the great and the spoil of the strong. So, turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Okay, start at verse 5. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Two six. Philippians two six. I'm not really going to throw them out the window. Who being in the form of God thought it would not robbery to be equal with God. Who made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even to the Okay. All right. So, Jesus was God. And he said, well, if I go way down low and turn human, it's okay. I can do that. I don't feel bad about it. Matter of fact, I'll go so low that nobody ever even hear of me. 30 years, nobody ever heard of him. No reputation. And then he went to the cross and he died. Now verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. And that every time we should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Alright, there you go. We said God was pleased. He looked down and Jesus is suffering and God was pleased with that because it paid for sin. All right? That's a hard thing to think about, but that's what it says. But then he says he's going to give him a place with exalt him. So here's what God said. Jesus, you went down low. You went way down low. Nobody heard of you for 30 years in Nazareth. And now you come to the forefront and they hate you and they rejected you. And they put you on a cross and said, get off the cross if you're God. But you stayed there and you paid for the sins. So, I'm pleased with what you did. And I thank you for dying for the sins of humans so humans can get to heaven and be together with me. I thank you for that. But I'll tell you what, they are never going to do that to you again. Ever. I won't have it. What they did to you was so horrible that I am going to repay you. And so, because you suffered so intensely on that cross, I'm going to lift you up higher than anybody's ever been lifted up. I'm going to give you the highest place of honor in heaven. And at that point, when you sit on my right hand in a place of honor, every human knee will bow to you. Things on earth. Every angel in heaven will bow to you and every soul in hell will also bow to you.
because I will never have them say those things about you again. I won't put up with it. Because you died, paid for sin, I'm going to highly exalt you. Everybody everywhere will bow down their knee to you and confess that Jesus Christ is King and Lord. And no one will ever be allowed to do that to you again. That's the only way you can make sense out of that. You understand? If he died horribly and God pleased that he paid for sin, right? God says, now I'm going to make it right. I'm going to give you the highest and most authority that there is. I'm going to sit you on my right hand. I am going to force every created being to bow to your name and I won't have it any other way. Now we understand why the Father is pleased. And we first thought, why can he be pleased doing that to his son? He had a way to pay it back. And he paid it back by exalting Jesus to the highest place. So that is Isaiah 53. Now you know all about Jesus, right? You're ahead of it because you got to talk about death and resurrection. So you'll be experts next week when we talk about the crucifixion, right? And the week after when we talk about the resurrection, you'll know he got buried with who? Rich people, right? And God did what? Highly exalted him. Gave him a name above every name. Okay, thank you.